Um, I guess we'll start, right? What the heck? Um, do I have to do a yo? Yeah, I have to. Javier's not here because it's like 7 in the morning there, 7.30. So I'll go, yo. Yo. The best is when other people do it. Like Brian McTurnan did it, and he did such a good job. Like, he, I was like, he could just be our – we could have a stinger of just him saying yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was saying, Garrett, you know, we, we did an episode on Turn the Tide – Three years ago, wow. I was like one of the first, one of the first episodes we did. Right, like that was like one of our first Patreon episodes, and um, a lot's happened in three years. And you know, I felt like I already knew Garrett and Tony, especially just from you know online interaction, and everything. But yeah, Garrett and I finally met. We didn't know we were going to meet, but we met at a uh, Soulside. Yeah, I was watching Jay Robbins and I glance over to my right and I see you looking up at looking over at me with a smile on your face. I was like, oh yeah. There it is. That was a that was wow. a great show, was great. by the way. Yeah, it was uh, fun. Two bands, you know, you can't at our age, a two band bill is like that's the way to go. Perfect. It is the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it was over like fairly early. Like yeah. it was in Lancaster and it still took, you know, I was still home before midnight. And that's you can a ask for. Commute. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, we're, but we're here as much as I would love to talk about Soulside and Jay Robbins. <laughs> we're here to talk about Don't Sleep. We have Dave, Garrett, and Tony from Don't Sleep. And then we have one of our favorite recurring guests, Mr. Oisey from End Hits Records. Hello, hello. It's the first time I'm meeting the band, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. We only communicated via emails the first time I've seen those guys. I mean, I knew Garrett uh, because I think we have a bunch of uh, friends, common friends. and uh, But it's the first time I'm running into them, we assume. So I'm very excited. Nice to meet nice. you. Yes. Oh, gentlemen. So it makes perfect sense for End Hits to be doing this record for a lot of reasons. Just knowing Oise, getting to know Oise too over these last three years. I know that he's a huge fan of of Dave's work and of um, Don't Sleep and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So when I found out this was happening, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. The funny thing is I was such an idiot about it. So this is the second time this happened. First time was uh, Be Well, when my friend Aaron Delbeck hit me up and he's like, I have this new band. It's called Be Well. It's with Brian. He's one of my favorite singers, Battery. And at that point, we had so much releases lined up that I turned it down. And then he kept insisting <laughs> that I put it out. It was like one of the best decisions uh, somebody made for me. And the same year, I think, who hit me up? Was it Garrett or Tony? One of you guys hit me up, right? Uh, it was probably me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're so busy right now. I, I Yeah, I'm going to check it out soon. And I... I listened to the songs. I love them. And I talked to Brian about it. He's like, yeah, those are songs partly from that last session. And I was like going back and forth with him. And then I kind of lost track for a while. Then Tony hit me back up. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I literally got nine amazing songs on my hard drive. And I have told those guys that that I really want to do it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you guys for being Uh, patient. Yeah, it's been a long time coming because if I remember, so 
we talked originally about the album Turn the Tide um, from 2020. Came out of kind of a, and it's a bummer too, because, and we talked about it at length uh, when we spoke then, but it came out at a time when a record just would come out, but there was no shows. It's kind of a bummer because it had this nice, like, leading up. It was excitement. I had seen you guys play, uh, I guess, about two years before that record now with with Shelter here in Philly. And I remember, you know, obviously loved the Dag Nasty songs that you did, but you did a bunch of originals. And I was like, oh, dude, these originals are, you know, kick ass. They go great with the... uh, with the with the Dag Nasty stuff, kind of run seamlessly through. Uh, got the seven inch on Reaper, um, which is awesome. And you. you know, was super excited about the LP. It, it didn't let me down. I played it a ton. I think it made it made it to my Spotify Wrapped for what that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I you know have the LP and all that. And then, like you know, there wasn't really shows. And I knew you guys had said you recorded more than the songs that were on Turn the because I think Turn the Tide had twelve tracks. If I'm I, I don't have the record in front of me, um, but like twelve tracks, and you guys did more than that. Is this? But this record isn't just like oh, these are all songs that we recorded that we didn't think were good enough to go on the album at all. Like this is sort of just a byproduct of that. If you want to explain. Like where these songs came from, because the the Tom Petty cover uh, that was released as like a digital single a couple of years back, right? Yeah, that was probably yeah, about two years ago that that was released. Um, I can handle start this, and you guys can chime in anytime if you want. Um, yeah, when we the the original deal we had with Victory was for two two records. So we had so many songs that we had already written and demoed and loved that we basically wrote and recorded both the albums. I mean, two albums worth of materials of, of songs. And we expected this sea change to be the second release on victory. Okay. You know, a couple of years after, but then I don't remember when, I mean, the record came out in September, 2020. I think it was supposed to come out several months before that, but then, you know, victory sold to, is it cons- Conquer, conquered, conquered, I think. Con- yeah. And so that sort of put things on hold because it was clear to us, became clear to us that Concord was just going to be a catalog, you know, just was buying the catalog and was going to be releasing new music. And then, uh, you know, Tony Brummel came back to us and said, hey, I'm going to start this new label. I'm going to put out a Chromag's record, an Insight record. It sounded, I mean, it was great. It was perfect. So, For sure, yeah. It was exciting yeah. at that point. I it mean. was very exciting. And, and he really put a lot of, you know, wanted to put a lot of energy behind it. It was, it was great. I mean, he was super, you know, stoked about our band. And so that came out, that release was delayed. And we even thought about maybe waiting a little bit <clears throat> to put it out because obviously we couldn't tour on it and there was nothing happening. It was, But then I think we were just ready at that point. Um, so it came out. And then I don't know when things started to slow down at Mission 2, maybe within six months or so after it came out. I don't, I don't really remember. But it, it became clear that things were sort of going quiet or winding down. And and I, I think probably they haven't done anything in a year or two. But Tony, again, he was 
he agreed to release these songs to, to give these songs back to us that were supposed to be his release that he, you know, he paid for the recording and did all that. So, which was very cool. Respect. And, uh, Definitely respect. Cause yeah, that doesn't always, that doesn't always happen. No, no. And I think it was just a gesture of goodwill. Like, Hey, you know, sorry, things didn't work out with the label, but you guys can have the songs and that led us to Oise. So it all worked out for the best for sure. And, you know, three, Two and a half years, three years between releases isn't that long. You know, it sort of made sense. No. And it to me, it's actually been really cool for me to revisit these songs and realize how fresh and how good they sound. And they sound very, they definitely sound like the follow-up album to the to um to turn the tide. So let's talk about the recording a little because you know, speaking of the sound, um Turn the Tide was done with there was some stuff with Walter Schreifels, uh, some stuff with our dear friend Brian McTernan. And then who were the other were the other people that worked on Turn the Tide, the ones that did this new one, or is this Yeah. Yeah. Carson, uh Slovak and Grant McFarland. And they're uh they're based out of Lancaster. Um and they they've done record they do like all the August Burns Red records, and they've done some records for um Everclear and live and some some bands like that too but they they mix both records and then some of the tracking was done for both records with them okay yeah and and also uh Matt Holmes who is sort of a close friend of the band and and you know has been our manager in different levels and different points helping us out as we kind of um he's un, un, well he's not unknown anymore i think at that time he was unknown he's he's really making his mark in the music industry and as a manager and has a label now with matt pinfield um from from mtv oh wow yeah um, so yeah so he's he's doing some amazing amazing stuff and um matt holmes is is a true musical genius um i think and was really helpful to me and when I was tracking the vocals and everything. So sure. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll praise. Yeah, he was great. The studio we recorded those songs in was actually owned by the band live. They built the studio and it was incredible. Um, they've since the Carson and Grant have since moved to a different studio in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but that was a pretty amazing spot. Cause it sounds like, gigantic mm -hmm. oh, like it's it, like it's it's like i mean and when i say slick i don't mean it as a derogatory term but it's 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 pretty slick like it's it's definitely sounds like a real deal recording those those two guys were legend i mean tony and all of those guys are friends so i was coming in as a as a you know fifth wheel kind of as it were on this one um just trusted them and trusted what i knew that carson and grant had done and it's surreal it's, it's there, you know, people have great talents in life in different areas. You know, some people are, you know, great chef or an accountant or whatever, you know, everybody has talents. And um, for those guys, clearly that's what they were put on earth to do was to do that. Oh, I don't want to forget. We also recorded some of the vocals in Richmond with uh, oh, Pedro. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some of the guys, uh, Pedro and uh, James from River City High did some of the backup vocals on some of the amazing stuff. backup vocals. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to actually think their, backup their backup vocals. vocals sound more. You hear it more on these songs. I think if in a couple of times really nicely, um, they just, they just did an amazing job too. Yeah. We beneficiary of a lot of, uh, 
you know, really talented people with heart who love music, who are doing it for the right reasons. I mean, it all has to come together, right? It has to have the karma to it because you could hire, um, you know, a producer, let's say. Um, I mean, I'll just say, I don't know, Quincy Jones, one of my favorite producers. He's brilliant. Michael Jackson and on down the line, right? Like Quincy Jones, a brilliant producer, but he wouldn't have been the right guy for this one, right? Like he would have made it sound great. Sure. He's, he's a genius and he might've been great. Who knows? But, but I think Quincy Jones didn't come up in punk, didn't come up in hardcore, didn't come up in, in metal. And, and so as great as he is, you know, might, maybe it would have been great. Who knows? If he ever wants to work with us, Hey, I'm in, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but like, I was going to say, know, Quincy, but, if you're listening to this right now, we would love to work with you. Yes, we would. I would, I would, I would happily be your gayfer, get coffee, uh, shine the, the consoles, anything, you know? So, but, but anyway, but, but I really, okay. Maybe he's not the best example because I do adore him, but, <laughs> but anyway, you know, my, you know, my point. So yeah, like, you like have a, the right someone that produces pop music or something is not necessarily, I mean, that's the age old thing, right? Is like, you hear about these bands that go into studios because the stuff's, Oh, I love, like, I mean, we've talked about on here with, with our podcast with Chung King, you know, there's the whole thing of like, Oh, they did great hip hop records. But then, you know, the judge, Chung King can suck it, that ended up being called, doesn't sound so good. And it's because you're working with people that couldn't give a crap about right. the kind of music that, that you're doing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's not even a, a couldn't give a crap thing. Sometimes it's just the background, right? So, like, I know that, you know, those guys, Matt Holmes, Carson, Grant, you know, Tony, uh, Pedro in, in, in Richmond, James, you know, um, obviously our band – we all have this in our DNA and I'm, I'm a big, you know, kind of even the song um, promise made is kind of the, the idea that I've been really into more and more lately as I've realized you are a lifer. If we, all of us here on this call and anybody listening to this broadcast is, is it's a lifing thing, right? Like there's, you are in it. There is no way you're getting out of it. You're, you're not, and it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. So, but in 1982, 81, 83, like it was maybe some people just saw it as a passing phase. But in 2023 and beyond, if you are here, you are here. So you are part of the family. You are in the stream. You're not getting out. You're not going anywhere. You're always going to love Black Flag. You're always going to love Minor Threat. You're always going to love, hopefully don't sleep. You know, you're always going to love all that stuff. And it's part of who you are. It formed you. It's part of your DNA. You look at your little your little helix, like you know your little DNA thing. Like there's punk rock and hardcore in that. And so um, accept that and love it. And then that's why I think when you get the right combination of the right people, Walter and Brian, key to that in this album because Walter and Brian obviously pedigree is untouchable. You know, and and they're both geniuses in their own way i mean anything those two guys have done is like a touchdown right it's 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 a touchdown it's a win so um and it's because they love it and they're coming at it from that right dna that right reason that right motivation so having walter brian you know carson grant you know everybody like that combination of people is the right people at the right time to make this thing which is why it makes it unique i think so to garrett's point when he was listening and hearing the album um, I listened to it the same way, you know, Garrett and Tony sent it to me and said, here's, here's the sequence we proposed. And I was like, damn, that's really good. You know, it was, it was just like, holy cow, you know, it, and then, you know, when I see wanted to do it, I was like, okay, it, the, 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 you know, the cycle is complete. It's perfect. You know, it's meant to be. So, yeah. 
it was a full circle moment because Greg and I talked about it in the past, but where I grew up in a rural area in the middle of nowhere in Bavaria, Tony's Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was so hard to get music. Like it was impossible. Like 91, 92, it was like everything was a treasure, everything you could find. But thanks to Epitaph, one thing we could get was four on the floor. And thanks to, you know, the distribution they had, that CD made it into our remote little place. And that was like, and if you had a record back then, you had a record. You know, it was not like you liked the song or two. This was one of the three records you had. And <laughs> right. it was on rotation all the time. So for me, like being able to work on a record with Dave singing on brings me back to a time where, you know, Dave and his bandmates helped to open my horizon and show me that there's so much possibility out there, that the world is not a tiny village. It's a huge place. It's a, you know, it's a big, big place. And so um, releasing Sea Change and knowing how good it is, like it's not just like I'm releasing Sea Change because I want to work with Garrett and Tony and Dave. I, I want to release that record because it's an amazing record and it's, you know, in a long line of amazing records. So full circle for me, I'm really stoked. Yeah, for Thank sure. You, like Lucy. if you, I mean, for anyone listening, because the record's not out, there's there's a single, I guess, well, we're going to have this out by the time there'll be the second single. Um, I've also had the pleasure of hearing the whole thing. You're going to be stoked. If you like, you know, the last Don't Sleep record, if you like the Dag Nasty stuff Dave's done, Down by Law, I mean, I, I could rattle off Dave's done a ton of stuff. You're going to love this record. Thank you, Greg. I want. I, I just want some shows. You. I want some shows. <laughs> so hopefully, Working on it. Yeah, hopefully there'll be some some shows that'll we've happen. Got some, we've got some stuff in the works we'll be able to announce in hopefully the coming weeks. So. Good. We're excited too. Good. It's it's there's a much compared to last time. There's so much more hope now. Yeah. I feel like last time was kind of like, well, we don't know what's going to happen because none of us knew what was going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of sighing and consternation back then, but yeah, things feel things feel great now. Yeah, because um, these songs definitely like I, you know, want to sing along to them and see people enjoying and smiling faces and uh it just has that kind of vibe it's definitely a uh roll the windows down kind of record which are the best kind um, yeah many of the best records are, are like summer you know came out in the, i remember when yeah. start today came out i think in like the spring and it it was like that's the record everyone listened to all summer long you know that was like the the summer jam in fact, Tony's last band actually had a record called Summer Jams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it goes, it's, it's in your DNA, the Summer Jam. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny with Oisey saying that, like, it does make me think how much we take for granted being, <laughs> being in America and most of us near, like, major cities. It's like, what do you mean you couldn't get, like, because I was able to just send Discord a money order and get records. You know, like I don't realize that for people in a village in Bavaria, that's not. And that's why I think a lot of things with music, you know, people like, as you guys know, I do these record rankings and things like perspective is everything. I think sometimes people 
like forget about that and just think everything is this objective thing. And it's, it's not, sometimes the first thing you hear Mm. by a band may be your favorite, even if it's not, you know, the recognizable number one thing. Um, And that's what I think is cool about music though. And art is you can interpret it the way that you want to. And it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. That's my little diatribe for, uh, it's it's a good diatribe, and I would agree with that 100%. You know, I mean, if somebody came in, let's just say, with the jam, right, and they they heard um, Ghosts as their first song by the jam, not Doug Nasty, you know, but or or they heard, uh, you know, they heard uh, Beat Surrender as their, as their first song by the jam, and they loved it, right? And then they go back and they they listen to Ahmad Khan's and and you know down in the tube station at midnight and you know uh, a bomb in Wardour Street and and all the rest English Rose, whatever it is. And then they 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 still will always have that special spot in their heart for you know for the you know for the later stuff that they heard first. And that's very natural. I, and I I love that actually. So for me, there's there's bands that I came at kind of late to the party, you know, and, um, for the replacements, for instance, I never, I didn't, you know, I was in, I was like running from jocks in the streets in Boston, right? Like I literally didn't know who the replacements were. They were not part of my world. I was spray painting walls and, and, you know, and doing all that stuff and, you know, and, and in the pit 99% of my life. And so I had no idea who the replacements were. They were kind of like the older, more artsy, you know, um, a little bit more college I guess you could say, you know, type thing. Uh, rock a little bit more rock and i loved hard rock obviously maiden you know you know form me dna again dna maiden priest you know um but motorhead but but stuff like the replacement side of the house i didn't really hear them until like years later i mean i kind of knew who they were but and i'm like oh dang you know you know and then of course i i, I heard the hits first like you'd be me for a while and i'll be like i heard the hits first and and i was like damn this is pretty good you know like and it was like it took me a while to to get to them and and even now if you say I'm I'm sure I'm not cool by saying that is my replacement song that I instantly flash to you know because there's way I'm sure real replacements fans would say there's way better deeper songs but to me the first song I heard was that and somebody played it for me and I listened to it and thought about the lyrics and you know and and liked it and you know what I mean so yeah totally to support your point I think it's a great point yeah and you're gonna have the people that got into them with sorry ma be like, oh, I hate that record, you know, that, that record. And it's like, well, that's the first one I heard. Yeah, I mean, it happens all it happens all the time. It happens even with, you know, the bands that we talk about on on this podcast that have multiple releases, you know. Um, but to get back to to Don't Sleep, um, I guess so. We we well, we talked about shows. So besides shows, what's what's next? Do you guys already have? Because see, I, I picture Garrett and Tony are always writing songs. <laughs> and Tom, don't I'm, forget, I'm Tom. putting the heat on those Tom guys. Yeah, I'm Tom putting the heat on those guys definitely to be writing. I'm trying to have a bunch of songs that I can come up for, and we can just spend a week and and track. So because I, I I can picture them being like, oh yeah, we have ten more don't sleep songs like <laughs> in our back pocket. We are writing. We actually got together this past week and started putting some uh, songs together. Tom McGrath, our other guitarist who's not on here, is is the riff master. So most of the songs begin with some super catchy riff that he writes, and then they sort of develop from there. So yeah, I was going to ask about the process. So yeah, 
Yeah, we we don't. Our process is not. Um, it's very rare that someone brings a song, a completed song. I don't know if it's ever happened. Um, but Dave has brought us some songs, but um, uh, amongst the musician, you know, the the non singers in the band, it's very rare that we someone brings a completed song. Normally, just sort of jam out and put them together, and you know, the, um, Tony and Tom have been playing together in bands for twenty five years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so they have a pretty good chemistry, and we, Tony and Tom and I, have been playing together in bands for, I mean, I think over 10 years at this point. So the chemistry is there. That's just how we, we write. It might be easier if someone would just bring a, a completed song, but that's just not a process. So, so, but there are two songs that we did um, last time I was in Pennsylvania, which I was really excited about. So we did it uh, at Matt Holmes's studio um, in, uh, is that in Lancaster? Is that where his studio is? It's in York. York. Yeah. York. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, um, but uh, that was there was a Tom song that that uh, basically a Tom's. I mean, it's a group song, but you know, Tom had largely structured it, and um, uh, Matt and I kind of just uh, turned it into an acoustic song, not to 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 necessarily not do the original version, but we were just tweaking it and playing with it, and um, it came out really beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful song to the point where I don't. I told Matt, I don't know if I told you this, Tony, but uh, or Garrett, but I just asked Matt not to touch it for right now because I really love the vibe. I just thought it sounded so good in, you know, in three hours of work that I just wanted to leave it. Um, maybe we do the whole band, obviously we'll record it, you know, and then, but for that iteration of that song, there's such a certain chemistry and beauty and painfulness to it um, that, um, that I really loved and that hit me. And I, I played it for um, one person uh, uh, and she, she cried. Um, she instantly cried, says the most beautiful song she'd ever heard, which was cool. So, um, so that's great to hear. So, so there are songs already kind of sort of out there. And then there was one hardcore song that Tom had written, um, or, you know, again, the group, uh, but Tom is the ringleader of chaos. So on that front, so, um, and that came out really nice too. So there are, there are a couple in the can. Awesome. So if, uh, you know, if we have to, we can, we can quickly, you know, get a couple out there if we had. I to. see Oisey's eyes getting bigger. He's like, <laughs> "That's what I'm talking about." Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, we do Oisey, a, Oisey, we'll definitely send you those two because they're beautiful. Uh, they really are, especially the they're demos, but but especially the acoustic one came out really, uh, really nice. Because I was going to say, obviously, we have to talk about Tom. I haven't had the pleasure to meet, but I did meet another secret weapon on this record that I noticed. Jim, the drums are great. The drums are just like hard hitting, like, you know, he, he is, uh, he's killer. He's incredible. Yeah. He's the most, he is one of the hardest hitting drummers that I've ever seen play. I mean, definitely that I've ever played with, but he's just so solid. He's creative. He's incredibly technical. I mean, he can, he's playing like a jazz fusion band in addition to this. I mean, he can play literally everything and he is always the the most prepared i mean you know he, there's lots of drummer jokes he is the antithesis of all of them he's like always super prepared super creative like turns things around really quickly and he's a great guy like so positive and uh always positive uh, always yeah. positive i mean I played, the, yeah it's the drums are i was like that if i'm being, like that was the first thing that jumped out at me was how killer the drums are on the on the record 
Um, it's pretty much that decided I want to put the record out. There's the first song on the album, Harry. The drum fill, yeah. It starts out with a killer drum fill, and usually, you know, songs don't start out with killer drum fills, but right. then the song just explodes, and I was like, I think I want to put this out. <laughs> He's such a great drummer. He would never suggest this, but like, I want to have, I want to do a song like one of those bands where there's like a huge drum solo, like right in the middle of the set, you know, live, like. He could totally pull that off and would like mesmerize people because he is just that kind of a drummer. And it's funny because I'm not always, a drummer, but I've always wanted to do that, Garrett. I am a hundred percent in. Um, I want I but but it's gotta be if we're doing that, if we're gonna do that, it's gotta be freaking lights, like streaming, you know, beaming lights, some special effects. Like we have to freaking leave the stage, <laughs> go get a cup of coffee in the back or whatever, and and let him do his thing for like five minutes like or whatever it is tommy like, lee. you know tommy lee but i want him in a spinning cage you know <laughs> like the whole thing you know oh uh, he might yeah. throw no. up besides that it'll be good he is he is that good he is that, <laughs> he is good. that good. he's phenomenal he and it would be enjoyable good. to watch that and nobody does that let's do that but maybe we have to keep this part of the interview secret so nobody will steal this idea <laughs> I, I played in the band with jim when i was like a senior in high school and i think he was probably in ninth grade we played uh, two shows and they were both on the same day and we did just uh, discord band cover songs. We played at my high school battle of the bands and then we played a basement show with the band uh, gray house. And that was it. Once one day and we were done. And it was all covers. It was, uh, yeah, we did like a faith cover, a couple minor threat songs. I don't think we did a dag nasty song, but we probably, probably no one can play the Brian Baker leads. That's probably why we couldn't do the dag nasty songs, but uh, yeah, that's that's how long I've known Jim. He's wow. and he's just been that guy. So we're very lucky. So I'm glad. I'm glad. We always. I always like to give some shine, you know, to uh, people that maybe aren't on the Zoom or whatever. So maybe if he listened, you know, he smiled. He raised his cup his cup of coffee to <laughs> to the podcast. So if you if you think about it, right? So the greatest groups, to your point are the groups where you could name all the people in the band and say each one of those guys is awesome in what they do, right? Like there, there are some that are just held together by by rope and wire in one person, okay? Yeah. And that's for sure, and that's okay. But think about all your favorite big groups, let's say, you know, like, you know, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, John Entwistle, Keith Moon, you know, Jimmy Page, you know, John Paul Jones, Robert Plant, John Bonham, you know, whatever. Name your name your favorite you know, big, big, huge mega group, and then go down the line to our world, right? You know, to, you know, to, um, you know, Henry Rollins, Des Kadena, you know, um, Bill Stevenson, you know, you go down, you know, Akira, whatever, you put in your favorite lineup of Black Flag, whatever, you know, all those lineups. If you know, if you know hardcore, you know, every lineup of Black oh, yeah. Flag, right? You know, and so, so you love that. And, and um, I like to think and hope and, 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 you know, pray that that this group has i'm not going to compare anybody to jimmy page and john bonham but i'm going to say that in our world all of these guys are equally integrally important to this band succeeding and um you know um without any one of these five it doesn't happen like uh it, it made the spark what it is so if if tony tomorrow said i i'm gonna go you know uh, whatever i'm gonna go on a round the world trip and become a yogi i'd be like cool that's great that's the end of the band you know like that that would be it you know so don't like, do that tony <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> thank you dave for saying that and i just want to say i mean since we're all patting each other's backs here 
I remember the first time I heard Can I Say, and I was like, it was on a cassette. And I think my friend shoplifted it from the Boscov's department store because he was like, this is a cool cover. I'm going to steal this. <laughs> and uh, I remember hearing his voice for the first time. And I was like, I, I didn't know that punk bands were allowed to sound like that or that punk singers could sing. I didn't, I didn't know what I was hearing. It was, I was very confused because it was this, you know, aggressive music, but like super melodious voice and harmonies and SAT words and, you know, just things that I just never really uh, associated with the other hardcore and punk bands I'd listened to. So like how amazing is it that we get to be in a band with, you know, probably one of my, you know, one of definitely one of my favorite singers, let alone, you know, punk singers of all time. So it's a privilege and a pleasure to be in a band with Dave and Dave's like still going, man. He just like keeps knocking people's socks off with each like successive project he does. So it's really, he's, uh, he's well, like he said, life, life, or, I mean, it's true. We're all in our forties or, or beyond or whatever. And we're all still here. We're obviously, you know, I may not keep up to date on every single new thing going on in punk, but my cat just jumped behind me, scared the hell out of me. I thought my couch was falling apart. Um, <laughs> I lost train of thought. But yeah, like, you know, we're all lifers and it's just awesome to see people still going and creating and doing new stuff and not necessarily just riding on the coattails of yeah. you know, 10 songs they put out. 25 35 years ago not resting on your laurels which is really the safe thing to do if the last thing he did was you know down by law record or an all record or can i say that would be an amazing career that he could just you know sort of sit back on but like i applaud him for continuing to put out new music and take chances and you know keep the creative process flowing it's awesome thanks Gary. did you see uh dave because this this keeps it revelation focus Walter, speak, we spoke to him earlier. He had the list of his 10 favorite post-hardcore records. He had Can I Say on there. I don't awesome. Know That's that. great to hear. No, yeah. I didn't, but that makes me really happy. Um, he is one of the coolest things. I mean, again, a lifer, right? And But again, kind of what Garrett was just saying, and I appreciate very much those really kind things that he said. And, and yeah, you just got to keep pressing. And if, 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 if that's your DNA, right. You know, to do it. Um, not everybody does the same thing and it's okay. Right. Like if you're just, if you just did a one album thing and that was your thing, um, that's okay too. You know what I mean? That's great. Like, you know, um, you know, let's just say, um, I'm trying to think, well, I won't name any names, but you know, somebody who just made one great record in their day and then they, and then they, they, now they, they work as whatever, you know, that's great. It's great. But for, I think for guys like Walter, you know, you see that guy, he's a machine, He's an incredibly creative machine, and he's also a really cool dude with really interesting thoughts. And um, one of my favorite memories, actually, of recording our album with, with Walter was when I was working on some lyrics, and it was in Brian's studio in Baltimore. And um, a lot of time, and then he came to to um, to Pennsylvania as well to work with us there to do some some a little bit of tracking there as well. But I remember I had a line in there. And, and the song True North has the line, um, like Aragorn, a true North Ranger, right? That has the line in that song. Um, and um, the idea is trying to find a good focus in life positive and, and stick with it and, you know, and, and stuff. And Aragorn, I'm a, I'm a nerd, you know, so so I really love Lord of the Rings. And um, 
And I remember I had an, another song lyric that had the matrix referred to it. <laughs> and again, I'm a nerd and I, and I fully admit that. Right. So, so like, and, and I think actually that's been part of the secret of my strength and connection with people is there's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of nerds out there. And, and so I am one and um, you know, I, I love what I do and I, you know, I, but I also love Star Trek. I can't help that. It's who I am, you know? So, so, um, you know, but anyway, so I was talking with him and he saw the lyric to the matrix, right? The reference to the matrix. And he said, he looked at me, he said, you're too good for this. You only get one movie reference per song. And I was like, damn it. And he's right, you know, and because I thought I was being so clever and getting in another movie reference. He's like, no, you know, and he was totally right. You know, 100%. So I scratched it out, you know, and then like rewrote it, you know. But that's the kind of thing that Walter does is he just has this fresh uh, perspective. Um, he's he's vibrant. He's one of the, you know, I would say greatest uh, musicians of our era um, in our world. So, um, yeah, great, great guy. Great stuff. Oh, yeah, really absolutely. Nice said that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the Matrix reference ended up on Sea Change. Isn't it in? I'm so bad with song titles. I think it's an outside. Did I steal it in? Did I sweet sneak it in there? Yeah. Oh, man. That's great to hear. I must have snuck it in after Sorry, a different song. Okay. <laughs> so you awesome. took Walter's advice, split the nerdiness up, you know, between two songs. Then the two records, two <laughs> records even. So I think that's okay. It's a different record. It, but again, that's another full circle moment because, you know, when we talked to Walter, about you know one of the greatest hardcore records of all time start today he said we we wanted to you know i was taken from seven seconds and dag nasty can i say and then now it gets to where it gets it's just cool i love i love that kind of you know full circle moment of seeing that like it's like almost like you're passing the uh the baton and then it still comes back to you and you just kind of keep passing it along and it keeps everything fun and, and fresh. Uh, and yeah, he's still creating too. Quicksand have yeah. new stuff. That's great. And that last so quicksand, one of the, that last quicksand album of, is incredible. I mean, really like it, it's amazing that that, and that band's that he's been writing songs with quicksand for so long, but that last album was pr probably my favorite album of the year last year. Oh yeah. It's, a, it's great. Yeah. I hope that this record is like that for people too. You know, I really do. So I think it is. Um, if somebody is creative uh, and and passionate, um, then the creativity doesn't stop. You know, think of um, you know again back to movies, but think of your favorite movie world, right? Movie actor, actress, and uh, you know, um, I don't know. This is an easy one, but uh, uh, Judy Dench, right? Okay, let's just say Dame Judy Dench, right? She's she's. Like I would argue Judy Dench's stuff now is as good or better than stuff she did in 19, you know, 80 or 70 or whatever, you know, like, like it's, she's a fantastic actress. Um, Helen Mirren, you know, whatever. I just picked two, you know, particularly powerful and excellent women actresses, but you know, they, they are both amazing and their stuff they do now in 2020, whatever is, is phenomenal. And so I go to see movies because they, those those women are unstoppable forces of creativity and talent. And, um, you know, so, so I hope that everybody can kind of always remember that whether it's in music or art or, or, you know, um, whatever it is that there's, 
But yes, you're always going to have your favorite thing. And I know everybody's always going to say Funk Rock Academy fight song or or can I say or whatever. And I love that. I love that. I'm touched and honored and happy that that, that is the case. But also, you know, man, you got you got Tom McGrath and Jim Bedorf and Garrett and Tony. And, yeah, you know, like those forces of nature are also phenomenal. And you can get a new burst of creativity and light and life and energy and passion and joy and happiness and anger and angst and you know all these things you know and you can you can kind of just this is like the, the stuff of life is not so much just to only read your favorite book it's not only to read you know your favorite lord of the rings let's say to get back to that you know like you can i've read lord of the rings countless times countless times but um the entire trilogy i read it all the time they're probably once every couple of years but you know, right now, you know, I'm reading Eckhart Tolle, you know, and that's a whole different world, right? It's a whole different phenomenon. It's a whole different philosophy. It takes me to different places. It's it's helping me be in the now. And being in the now is important, right? So not to get too philosophical, but Eckhart Tolle talks about being in the now, right? Enjoying the now, not being too fearful of the future or regretful of the past or, or stuck in the past, you know, so be in the now, enjoy this, enjoy this moment right here. You're listening to this podcast. I'm looking at you on a screen. You know, we're all close friends and brothers of music, all all six of us here. You know, like that's the now. That's what we're doing right now. This is special. This is awesome. Like love it. Drink it in, you know, and, and don't, um, you know, don't, don't, yes, love the past. Look forward to the future. I'm, I'm all about that. But but love the now, too. Oh, over end of sermon. Sorry. <laughs> well, to quote to quote another DC band, "Drink deep. Mm-hmm. It's just a taste, and it might not come this way again." Yeah, I'm I'm a little bitter because Guy Picado wrote that and I didn't. You know, so um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit frustrated with Mr. Gee on that one. So yeah, yeah. it's pre- it's pre- it's pretty great. But I was going to ask Dave if it's does it ever, and you kind of already answered my question. If it does get annoying. You're still doing stuff, but you'll have people talk to you about records from so long ago. You know, like, you know, like I could geek out with you about the DYS first record or whatever. Anytime, brother. And it's thinking like, you know what I mean? But uh, but is there a party that's like, yeah, I did that when I was 19 or however old. Like, I don't really feel like talking about it anymore. Um. It's a great question, and I would say no, it doesn't. And I always actually was really uh, sort of um, uh, I didn't respect artists who don't want to talk about their past. So one of the things I think about is a song, or you know, you know, putting out a record, you know, or 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 making anything you do, art, you know, whatever it is, um, it's you have put something into the world that then is no longer yours. It belongs to you. So can I say belongs to you? You know, um, you know, uh, four on the floor belongs to Oisey, you know, to, you know, like whatever, pick your song, pick your album, pick your thing. It's yours. It's not mine anymore. It was never was really. It was created as a part of a synergy of of a universe of togetherness and, and power and passion and joy. So I think that, for, I read an interview where Billy Joel said, um, if he has to play Piano Man one more time, he's going to scream. And I was like, well, guess what? Um, and by the way, that's not even close to Billy Joel's best song. It's not. But but um, it's kind of sad and lonely and depressing, you know, and, and I don't like that song personally just because it's like it's not my style of song. But 
Billy Joel, you wrote freaking Piano Man. Own it, live it, love it, and like accept that, you know, in his case, millions of people love that song. And and they became part of them. I mean, it, it helped them. It helped shape them. It's it's not his anymore. So you freaking get up there and you talk about Piano Man and you love it and you realize it's really important. And um, so if you want to talk about DYS, I'll talk about DYS all day long, um, anytime. It is part of the shared tapestry that we have all uh, weaved together in hardcore. And, um, you know, um, it is it is uh, something you should be happy to talk about. And I mean, let's be honest. What have we done in this thing? We talked about, you know, different albums that shaped us and loved it and we loved and, you know, and, and sure, stuff like yeah. that. And where, you you know, where you were when you heard this album in a small town in Bavaria, you know, or whatever, like that, those moments are who we are. And so um, to me, those are still moments to be celebrated and loved and lived. And so, yeah, I'll, I'm very happy to talk about any of that stuff anytime. It's, it's who, it's part of That's who I'm, it's part of who you are. It's good to know. Yeah. For, for yeah. sure, because again, same thing with Can I Say, I could go off or, or the all records or whatever. But, you know, this is about Don't Sleep. This is about <laughs> Tony, Garrett, Jim, Tom and Dave collectively. So I but guess there's to- no Don't Sleep without those bands. I mean, you know, we're, right. we're like not only do we write sort of, I think, consciously, you know, keeping in mind the blueprint of Can I Say and the blueprint of all, you know, but and down by law, but, um, you know, we all personally were influenced, but I don't know if I'd be playing hardcore music if it weren't for, can I say, you know, maybe I wouldn't. So I think, and I think we're all influenced by that, that music. So it's like still so relevant, you know, relevant to don't sleep, of course. And I brought it up too online. It's gotta be nuts. You know, I'm specifically thinking about, so I'm, I'm a real like DC head, like discord. That was, Discord and SST to a lesser extent, or maybe the same extent, the same extent. They were my entries into punk was like that stuff, punk and hardcore discord SST. And and I guess to a lesser extent, like sub pop with some of that stuff. And it's nuts that like, there's these bands that those of us who weren't even around, I mean, I was born in 1981 so like there's bands that formed when I was in diapers that played for six months that legitimately like, you know, changed my, the trajectory of my life. And it's gotta be nuts for the people involved. Cause they're thinking like, I was like 17. Like I love the faith. They were around for what, two years and did a, like, and it's like, it's just kind of nuts to think about. And same thing, even like Dag Nasty, can I say you guys, Dave, were only in that iteration of the it was like I guess that's the definition of lightning in a bottle, right? Like it was like only I mean not even a year's worth of time with that, and it still just captured that moment, and it's timeless. And um, you know, the Don't Sleep records they'll be like that for sure. But when you're 19 or 20 years old, six months is an eternity, right? So if you're in a band with or 21 or whatever, if you're in a band with people for a year, that's like. Uh, a life, yeah, whereas now it's life. like time just fly. You know, we're sitting here again talking about our new record, and it's three years later. You know, yeah. I can, I remember this conversation with you when we were talking about turn the tide, like it was yesterday. So it's just like very different perspective. I know, and think like it goes back to Dave like, talking about like when you're older in life, maybe you write better music in some ways. It's like a little bit more reflective because you're not trying to rush things through, knowing that there's like 
it's a finite time for the band. Like, you know, we can keep doing this forever, really. Yeah. And it's like the timeline, if you think about it, like a band like Minor Threat that definitely changed my life. I mean, for sure, for so many reasons. The time that we did the Turn the Tide pod cast and then this one was like the entire time they were a band. Right. And like it's interesting. Like you said, it seems like yesterday. So it's cool. But yeah, it's it's got to be nuts to think that just the stuff that happened in that little bubble of time. And again, for me, especially in D.C., was just like I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today without that stuff, like just ethically, musically, whatever. So it's super cool. But that's what makes the DC, that's why the DC music, or I'll call it the Discord music history is so rich because the bands just kept reinventing themselves, you know, um, sonically and just creatively and culturally. So they didn't get stuck on like a formula. And I mean, they, they would break up and, you know, there's, I know start, start it's band. wild. Like there's only think. probably like 20 musicians over the course of that, whatever <laughs> yeah. band, but they all intertwined and intermingled and like made, everything sounded different. I was just listening to, to the first girls against boys record the other day. And it's just like incredible. And those are all, you know, like DC, you know, OG, basically OG musicians doing something totally different than what, anything that had been done before them, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, Dave mentioned one person leaves the group. It's done. So, and that's sort of like how the DC thing, I mean, really, if you think about it, like I'm trying to think of bands on like Dag Nasty, Government Issue and Scream might be the only ones that really like changed lineups and, and kept going. Cause the rest would be like, I, I remember as a kid being so confused, I'm like, wait, why is one last wish different than rights of spring? Like, why isn't this a rights of spring record? Well, you know, cause one guy's not on it and it's somebody else on it. So it's interesting. And it sort of ties to don't sleep as in like, it's the five of you as a unit. So I wanted to, I don't always do hot tracks, but I was listening to the record the past couple of days. You know, usually we only do them for the rev releases, but screw it. We do what we want. I, and I talked to Oisey about this last night. I wanted to do hot tracks. And you all know, you've all done, you know what the hot, you know, you know how to play hot tracks. Is but this I, where you do the hot tracks lick thing? That uh, the stinger? Yeah, Javier should put that in there. <laughs> Shout out to, that's uh, Jeremy Chatelon from oh, uh, really? Insight, uh, Insight and Jets to Brazil and Handsome oh. and Cub oh. Country. So he, he recorded that. the hot tracks thing? Yeah, that's him. That's he said it to us one day. I thought it's Javier because he's such a renaissance man. I thought he could do everything. <laughs> no. So, so then that's where we go. I think now it's time for hot track. <laughs> and then see, he'll put that in there. So, Oisey, I'm going to have you go first just because we already talked about it. And I already know. Yeah, I kind of know. So what I really like about the record and – the fact that it's a nine-song record. I think in the 90s with, you know, the CD, everything got so crazy. Everybody put so much music on a record. It's a lost art, like, to have a really cohesive, precise, small amount of songs. 
that's just being said because, you know, in the 90s, everybody had like 20 tracks on their CDs or whatever. And there was so much filler. There's zero filler on this one, like absolutely zero filler. And I love that that's kind of coming back to shortest records. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about a long intro. No, um, I, I think I was thinking about that too, Uisi. And I think I want to say that a lot of that has to do too with vinyl coming back because as you know as a person that has to deal with pressing records the constraint of time on a one single vinyl lp is a lot different than 80 minutes on a cd um and you know most labels don't necessarily want to do a double you know not everything needs to be a double vinyl or a triple we all can agree sandinista would have probably been a better <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's a lot but yeah i i agree like i saw a thing about the new metallica and it's, it's the re- first line of the review said at 77 minutes and i went i'm out <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really stoked that it's this is kind of going backwards to you know just have the best songs and that you have and that's it and you don't need to have a weird funny thing on the back just to kill you know it's just like a great nine song record and uh i obviously love promise made and that's one of my favorites but my favorite is uh love is the suture am i saying that right love is, is the suture yeah yes. And I think Dave's voice really works when it goes into a little bit of that offbeat, two-tone, the Rats era. Uh, you know, it's if that's an element that's in it, and it's so unforced. It does. It, it's not like you guys sat down and decided you need to have one ska song on the record or an offbeat song or a reggae beat. Or it's just it sounds so organic, and Dave's voice works so well with that kind of music besides the high-speed hardcore stuff. And it's such a refreshing thing to put on the record. And uh, I love the lyrics. They're so uh, yeah, insightful and so thoughtful. And uh, that's my favorite. Thank you, brother. All right. Who goes next? Should I go next? Since my opinion matters the least of anyone's <laughs> No, your opinion matters. Yeah. That's the whole thing. We're a family, brother. You're a part of the family. So, your opinion matters just as much, if not Thank more. you. I appreciate it. Mine is 2020. Because, again, like we talked about maybe even before recording, anytime there's that crunchy palm-muted guitar and Dave Smalley vocals over it, I'm in. I'm sold. And it just I th- I love the chorus. I love the backups. You know, we talked about the backups. There's the good backups on the chorus. Um, drums sound great. Bass sounds great. Guitar. It's just a killer song. And is that going to be, that's another, is that another single? Because mm-hmm. I always used to joke that like I'm good at picking the singles like before they're made into singles. So I guess. That will be. And that just to be clear, you know, that's the 2020 reference has to do with clear vision, not with the year 2020. But there was a moment where I was like, should we change the title of this song? I don't know if we want to be like reflecting on the year 2020 that much. Uh, so I didn't not- take it as that either. I took it as as 2020 vision, which uh, I have got slash, now, but right? it's now it's I got the slash. slash. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Am I the only person not wearing glasses on this Zoom call? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you are you are you vision shaming us, Oise? Just yeah. you're so cool. You can ableist. see without glasses. Boycott boycott end hits records. They're ableist. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, like it's just it's a killer song. Like like we, I mean, really, any of these songs could be picked as a as a hot track, but that one just hit like the first time I heard it, and then that was one I I kept going back to. Um, looking forward to hopefully seeing it again live and uh, rocking out to it. Thank you, Tony. You can go next. Uh, I would say I, mine is dead on the inside. That's my hot track. I just really, I, it has some hard parts, but also has some, uh, the guitar line I think is, is sick. And I think Tom really did a great job on that. Um, and now I'm really excited about the video that so i'm anxious to get that out there uh i just it's a little weird and i love it i just love it garrett would say say dead on the inside i think that's my favorite song that we've ever written as a band um in fact when we recorded recording it i was like man i would love for this to go on the first record but it sort of got just because of cohesion, it got kind of pushed to the second record, but I love that song. Um, kind of has like a rocket from the crypt vibe to it a little bit, which I like. Um, since, but since Tony took it, I'm going to go with time to fight. I'm thinking that's like probably the heaviest song we've ever written. And I, if I remember, I think we wrote that, we wrote that a few years ago and it was kind of after that little shelter tour we did and um actually mind force was on that run too who like i got to know because of that their music because of that tour and i think um when we were writing i think like sort of the heaviness they, they're so catchy and and heavy and i think some of that rubbed off i mean those were tom's riffs but i think like that was sort of the idea that we had was to do something a little heavier and i think it was influenced a little bit by you know sort of listening to them for several nights in a row and who has blown up by the way i mean that's it's amazing to see yeah it's kind of kind of nuts like awesome. now they would have been probably the 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 headliner over everything right oh of course yeah no it's awesome but i i think time to fight it's fun it's it's heavy there's some good riffage it's got a little bit of like a judas priest iron maiden feel to it too <laughs> i know uh, dave stoked on that which stokes dave so i'm gonna go with time to fight okay and then dave um, so I, I, I'm loving these conversations. It's great to hear different perspectives. Um, I, uh, I do love time to fight and, and, um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, the, I, again, to, to Oise's point, I, I feel like honestly, and, you know, I'm totally straight, you know, when I say things, um, you know, this is like, uh, uh, an album where there aren't any throwaways. Um, it's like every song is like, like I said, when Garrett sent it to me and I was listening to it, I was like, holy crap, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is real, you know, this is a real spark. And and I was really happy to hear it. Um, and a lot of that was the hard work that those guys did to sequence it and put it together and um, things like that. But um, I'm going to say uh, uh, love is the suture as well. Um, because um, I think that we, uh, we show on that song some of the talent of the players, um, you know, Garrett on bass and, and, and uh, you know, Jimmy on drums and, uh, you know, and, and just uh, the, the whole idea of um, going and, and exploring. And look, I don't think anybody probably listening to this, we all are brothers and sisters of hardcore, right? Like we are. Like we get that. It's part of who we are again. It's part of our DNA to, you know, kind of kind of go full circle on that discussion. But I think that uh, you know, um 
branching out and not trying to branch out. Like Oise had a great point. Like it wasn't that we were trying to branch out. It's like I am hugely motivated, especially as I've gotten older. I've always listened to, you know, Peter Tosh and Jimmy Cliff and obviously Bob Marley and and the early Jamaican ska and and you know Desmond Decker and you know whatever. Pick your you know the ska movement in the eighties. You know in England the, the ska revival movement. You know, but um, I I really the older I've gotten. Um, the more that music has come to define me. And um, I listen to a lot of reggae. I find the spirituality of the music as well as the words um, beautiful and um, really important. And so I have enough um, hardcore, you know, battle armor on me that, that I'm I'm comfortable with that. You know, like I'm always going to have that punk rock battle armor on you know i'm always going to be a punk rock warrior i'm a heavy metal kid punk rock kid what hardcore kid you know even you know kid uh, obviously not applies anymore you know but but uh but i think love is a suture is is like oh holy crap it's kind of like what brian was saying or what, what gary was saying when he first heard some of that stuff that people were doing you know and can i say you're like oh damn that guy's a really good guitar player you know holy cow you know and and then you know, um, I think that kind of applies a little bit with Love is a Suture. It's a song where like, oh, these guys just totally flex their muscle a different way. And and it and it works. And and I think lyrically, the song is meant to remind us that in the end, that's all you have and that's all you should have is is love. And there's, it's so important for us to be angry about things in the world and make the world better. It is, it's, you don't want to sit back and just eat Oreo cookies all day, you know, and, and drink, drink Pepsi and and sit there and stare at a TV screen. That's, that's nowhere. Right. But, but like the idea being that to promulgate or put out love into the universe, love is the suture, um, be it in your family, with your friends, with your hardcore family, with your cat, you know, um, love. Like when that cat gets on you and purrs, my cat too, there's nothing like that in the whole world. That is pure love. That cat is on me. I'm petting her. She is pure love. And she's purring up like a steam engine. That's love. There's nothing that beats that in this world. So I like the idea of love being the suture, being like fixes the wounds that we've all had. So that's, that's my song. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that too. Um, so let's see to wrap it up. Well, Oise, if you want to talk a little bit about the release, like, so this, the street date and uh, maybe some of the different vinyl formats, whatever for, for us nerds that care about that stuff. like me. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the easy stuff. June 2nd, it's coming out. It's three Perfect for summertime. Roll your, roll your windows down, roll your car windows down. Blast nine songs. If you still have a CD player, you are getting a little treat. Speaking about records that are too long, the guys allowed Endhits to put uh, eight bonus songs on it. It's all the songs that previously were only released on the vinyl uh, releases, like the EP, the Reaper 7-inch, and there's another bonus song. So we have eight bonus songs. On I got to get my hands on one of those for the car. It's yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, because I, I I went back to I play CDs in the car. They just sound better, and it allows me to I think feel like focus more on the records, you know, than if you're poking around on 
Spotify and just, I don't know. That's a reason why I got back into tapes because they forced me to, you can, you, you could, but you can hardly skip a song. Yeah. So I bought a bunch of new releases that came out on tape and it uh, helped me really to enjoy the full record again. Same. Get cool. over the picking two songs and you know throwing the rest to the side. Yeah, so I'm a tape guy nowadays. <laughs> so it's a, so it'll be a, a separate a separate CD release. Uh, so it's a, a seat change on vinyl and it's sea change plus eight songs, kind of reference to the Fugazi plus three, I think. <laughs> so it's gonna be the CD is gonna have the eight bonus tracks. It's gonna be coming in a nice uh, recyclable paper uh, digi pack. So really stoked. About Jason that. will be stoked. Jason loves the uh, digipacks or diggy, however you say it. Like he, you know, I'm the one that likes the wasteful jewel oh, case yeah. one because it's <laughs> it's got to have a little mini fold up poster with the lyrics on it. See, that's the thing. Like we don't sell a lot of CDs with end hits, but we still sell some. And so I think to, to honor the people that still buy physical product, every piece of the puzzle should look cool. So even the CD's got to look great. Will there be cassettes? Not this time around. Maybe come up with something later on. We'll see. And then what, well, I guess this maybe, this is a little too shop or whatever, but turn the tide. Will that ever maybe get like, will end hits ever be able to do a, because once that pressing's out, I guess it's gone. That was never on CD either. I see two people not saying anything. Um, to be determined. Yeah, yeah. Be determined. I was gonna say you can just you can just plead the plead the fifth. You claim right? the fifth. Is that the I claim we, the fifth. Okay. Yeah, that's so, totally fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's cool. Those so. the, the extra tracks. Yeah, be cool. yeah, so but, we have the extra tracks on the CD, and then vinyl. We have two different versions. There's a US version, which has the cover artwork in a kind of a red brownish color, and then we have the Euro version that uh, is in the is blue the covers blue and the u.s version you can get from the ended store uh, at Deathwish and revelation records you are uh kind of employer that are not paying you greg <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say i was like boy i wish i wish, I wish. <laughs> so revelation i'd rather have them be my employer than my current employer <laughs> <laughs> your current employer listening to the podcast <laughs> i hope not <laughs> I don't think so. It's a giant company. They don't know. I'm not saying any names. So it doesn't matter. Your but, imaginary employer, Revelation Records, they have yes. a limited uh, vinyl edition in the States. Yellow, on yellow vinyl, I'm assuming. They love that yellow vinyl. And it looks fantastic. The Deathwish purple looks fantastic. The Deathwish carrot looks fantastic. So that's that. In Europe, we have, uh, in the Ended store, we have... Uh, Alternative version with a silkscreen cover that Simon One Trick Pony did, who also designed the. I was actually going to. I wanted to make sure to mention Simon. He did that. So yeah. Simon killed it. It looks so good. He did like an alternative silkscreen cover uh, in sea foam vinyl. Then there's a Pacific Blue that goes really well with the artwork. So a Pacific Blue version, and our friends at Cortex are having a gold. Uh, color they love gold revelation loves the yellow and they love the gold yeah so we got them a gold color version and that's the it's going to be the first press of this amazing nice it's super it's super exciting and like i said june is like the best time to release 
stuff. I love like a early summer, late spring release. And I guess always now I've heard that the pressing plants aren't as backed up as they once were. So everything seems to be going on schedule. Like, yeah, because like 2000, uh, no, it's 2021. Yeah. It was an absolute nightmare. You guys fell into that gap, I think with Turner Tide, right? I think that had a lot to do with it. That was a nightmare to get vinyl manufactured. And now with seed change, we got everything together. And it's a two-month turnaround. And we're like, all right, we can put this out in uh, in summer. So I'm really stoked. And then there's uh, something, there's some plans being made for the fall of uh, 2023. And hopefully we can talk about that very soon cool. and on stage. And uh, yeah, so that's that's my sales pitch. Awesome. Yeah, and, and then please, just a quick, quick shout out to Simon One Trick Pony. One Trick Pony, yeah, love his stuff. And he's if he's listening, Simon, thank you for your patience. We drove him crazy with all the iterations of this uh, artwork, but I mean, in the end, I think the cover came out great. And it kind of the artwork does sort of have some connection. The cover art has some connection, I think, to turn the tide too. It's that you know, it's it seems like it's a continuation of that same solitary figure, sort of. Uh, mysterious solitary figure off in the distance, but yeah, uh, really thank you, he was incredible. And he's been yeah. so great to work with. He also did our t-shirt design for the release and um, he's just, he's been great. All right. Yeah. There's an sure that uh, you can order that at Deathwish or the end hits page as well. Nice. Yeah. He's, I was going to say, he's all over the place uh, doing some great work. So oh, it's, yeah. it's cool. You guys got to work with him. So I guess uh, to wrap it up, I wanted to ask Dave, Two more questions. One, first, I'm going to ask, you know, we talked a lot about older older records you've done, past records. So apart from Don't Sleep, what's a record of yours that you released, do you think, like, I don't want to say doesn't get enough love, but, like, someone say, hey, you guys like, can I say, you like DYS, you like this? One of your favorites that maybe is, like, a dark horse. So uh, yeah, as, as I approach uh, sixty, that's uh, that's a that's a tough one to look back and 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 uh, you know kind of um, think back of which one of those might fit that. It's uh, a good question though. Um, I would say uh, I would say Lonely Town by Down by Law um, that just came out a, a year or two ago. Um, it is a it has some amazing songwriting by Sam Williams um, and guitar playing. Um, you know, Sam Williams is himself one of the unheralded greats of punk rock and rock guitar, indie rock, uh, you know, independent music. I mean, um, you know, guitar playing is phenomenal. Um, and uh, his work on all the Down Bellow albums is ridiculous. And uh, so, uh, but some of the songs that are on Lonely Town, uh, the album by Down by Law, are are uh, they're just stellar. And it's all credit to him. Um so uh, I would I would say if you haven't had a chance to go out and check that out to to please go go listen to that. There's um, I just printed I, I don't go on social media too much, but I did print, uh, you know, um, out on a, one of my posts, you know, Denim and Leather, which is a song on that album. And, uh, you know, um, you know, just we all came up wearing Denim and Leather. Right. It was one of those two or both, you know. And um, so those were those were great uh those are great times. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I think that's probably my pick right now. Awesome. Yeah, Sam, I guess, has been with Down by Law since Punk Rock 
Punk Rock Academy. Is that he's yeah. on that record, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, he's a long, he's, longtime uh, collaborator. I, I encourage everyone to go be in awe of Sam Williams III because um, he awesome. is phenomenal. And then finally, a nerd question because I'm going to ask you this every couple of years: Have you have you come around on Star Wars Rogue One yet? You know, I love you like a brother. And, um, you know, everybody starts laughing, right? So I, I do. I do and, and I will tell you, because of that, I also never want to be too stubborn. I I grudgingly, grudgingly have come around a little bit on Rogue One. Um, I, I will say that um, it is not my favorite. I know people say that's their favorite Star Wars movie, and I think they're absolutely on, on something, you know, illegal. Um, but... Um, you know, it, it. what bothered me about the movie was, they, I think, that they threw in everything but the kitchen sink. There are so many characters like the uh, the, 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 the blind uh, fellow with the stick who's awesome, but they never developed his character. Like, it was like, that guy was so cool. I don't remember the character's name, but that I, guy I know, was awesome. Yeah, I know what you're talking if, about. If they had just let that guy be a future part of the story, it would have been great. But instead, they threw in, you know, Forrest Whitaker, who's like a super talented actor. He's barely in the movie. You know, he's in it for like 10 minutes or whatever. But, you know, like, so I feel like, and then the, the, the lead um, was, I, I thought, pretty wooden in her acting, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you know, as opposed to like, you know, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, who was, you know, my era, you know, who was like just dynamic and funny and witty and wonderful, you know, so, so it's a different character, obviously. Right. But, and she obviously came up through, through, through greater perils, you know, this, you know, in, in Rogue One. So that was my problem with it. However, I grudgingly admit it's better than I first gave it credit for, um, you know, it's like when you first taste broccoli, you might not like it. And if you try it again in another dish, you might think, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought it was. And then maybe by the third or fourth time you have broccoli, you might really like broccoli. And so I'm not quite at the really liking broccoli phase, but I am at the phase of saying, you know what, it's actually better than I thought it was. And um, there are great moments in it. And um I still say, you know, Solo is is underappreciated. Solo is my equivalent of Rogue One for you. Okay. So um, I, I Solo enjoy, I a, enjoy Solo. A, Solo is great. I really wish that they would do another movie with that cast. Um, but, you know, that's so – so I guess that's a sort of a variation of the answer. So, yes, I do appreciate it more than I used to. <laughs> they'll, they'll and probably thank, you for, thank you for needling me on that ruthlessly <laughs> over the years since it's come well, out. Well, I, I mean, I, I love uh, – Tony, I know Tony's a big fan. I don't know. Are you a big fan of that particular movie in the franchise? Of Rogue One? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I like Rogue One a lot. Yeah. But I will say when I saw it in the theater the first time, I left kind of ambivalent. Mm. And then it it was it was a grower. It was it was like a broccoli. Like right now, I'm at like a I'll eat raw broccoli with it. And Dave sounds like he's at a well. I'll have it if there's like cheese on top. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll get there. I believe I'm having this conversation with uh, it's. <laughs> This must have been the nerdiest thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Oisey, don't come to my house then. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Tony is like the big Star Wars guy. Awesome. Can, can, can I let the people that can't see us, can I tell them something about this? Garrett, yes. it's unbelievable. It's 10 a.m. over there, right? Or 11 at this point. And right. Garrett has perfect hair. It's not right. <laughs> <It's> unnatural 
<laughs> it's amazing. So I just want to say that so the people can, you know, share what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at for an hour. <laughs> he now. always does that. Oh, he's hey, he's a man with perfect hair at 10 a.m. It's crazy. Maybe he's you're born me, with it or making maybe it's Maybelline. Make me blush, Oisey. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. Well, everybody, seriously, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing a gig. I look forward to getting a record in my hands and a CD for the car so I can just blast it all summer. So everybody listening, uh, please go to endhitsrecords.com. Check out the second single is out today. As we're saying this, right? With the second single being Boise. Oh my God. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so now uh, I gotta admit that I'm super bad with subtitles. I am too. Inside. That's why I was inside. inside. That's, That's why I was deferring to you. Yes. That is amazing. Thank you, We keep it real, though. I mean, I'm I'm also very bad with with titles. Um, like a lot of times, even when someone mentions a title on this pod, I have to like. Quick play, like I just need the first like two bars of it. And oh yeah, I know that song. <laughs> it's, seven, it's the two guys' favorite song. Yeah, that's that the hot track. That's the <laughs> yeah. So doesn't check, matter. Check that out. And, and the um, video for it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I promise Tony, I wouldn't be too specific about anything because you're gonna enjoy the video. That's what I can ran an Easter egg, but there are there are some. Uh, there's a very iconic locale for part of the video. Uh, in Washington, D.C. music history that uh, plays a small role. The location plays a small role in the video. So I think he... Yeah, they'll, he they won't be able to narrow that down, Garrett. Good, good job. <laughs> it could good. be the White House. <laughs> it could be the Library of Congress, right? True. All right. Well, everybody, thanks a ton. And check you, out Greg. Don't Sleep, you, Sea Greg. Change. Thank, Thank you, Greg. Thanks, everybody. All right. Good talking See to you. See you. Bye-bye.